episode number 14 of the Eyes Have It podcast. My name is Chris Blessing. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the co-general manager of Baseball HQ, and the fan favorite, Brett Hershey. Brett, how are you doing today? I'm enjoying my fan favorite. Yeah, that's... We took a poll. We took a poll and found out that you were the fan favorite. It's not me. Uh, Uh, Apparently, people find me annoying. That's unlikely, I think. But uh, yeah, how how are you, Chris? Oh, I'm, I'm very tired. I saw tons of games this weekend. Actually, I saw four games. I could have yeah. seen six. I could have seen seven. Spent a lot of time in rain delays and cancellations and all of that good stuff. Uh, but I made it here. I drank some good Tampa craft beer. Uh, I also got to see uh, Joe Drake from Prospect Live. We've uh, Hooked up uh, and got to hang out with his fiance at Cigar City. I think he's a listener, so uh, welcome, Joe. I was with my friend Brian, who's also a listener of this podcast. He came along to drink beer and have a good time while I scouted, and he had to go through a bunch of rain delays, too. So, uh, sucker. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we've got a big show today with lots of live looks to get to, but first, Remember that the Eyes Have It podcast is brought to you by BaseballHQ.com. It's this really awesome fantasy website featuring a lot of great content. Last week, I asked Brent what his favorite article was from last week. And he, he picked my article. And hopefully he doesn't pick an article I did last uh, this week, or it looks like Homerism. But, but Brent, do you have a favorite article from the site this last week? It doesn't have to be prospect related. It could be anything at all. Yes. One thing that uh, caught my eye was a writer named Tanner Smith does an arsenal report for us every other week that focus on, focuses on pitch mix changes in current starting pitchers. He covered Ranger Suarez from the Phillies and Frankie Montas from the A's and uh, just goes through how some of their pitches have been moving differently, gets into some of explaining some of the analytics and graphics that you see on different uh, sites and I just think he has done a real good job all year in kind of uh, bringing some of those pitching specific arsenal changes to the forefront for our subscribers so shout out to Tanner Smith for that's awesome we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this every week we're gonna have it's gonna be Brent's selection every week uh, yeah, because, I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of like asking me to choose between my favorite kid, though, because we have so uh, many good, talented okay. writers. And I don't want to leave anybody out and all that. But I'm I'm certainly willing to highlight uh, the different good things that uh, that we have on the site throughout the year, and especially at this time of year when uh, you know it's kind of in the dog days of August, and we got six, seven weeks of season left, and trying to trying to help our subscribers kind of get there into the into the money finisher or the championship that they're seeking so it's a fun fun time to keep uh, keep grinding yeah hopefully it helps me out i've been uh, uh tracking the site trying to find some help with the relievers and uh you know doug dennis yeah. has helped me out a great deal this year actually listening to him earlier in the year got me many uh bargains because i didn't go, i didn't go chase saves and uh, i didn't go chase holds or saves but I found guys in good positions to take advantage of those type of things. I know that we have this new segment. Uh, I'm going to let you, Brent, uh, go ahead and introduce it. Uh, Yes, we are going to run through a new segment this week. It's called, I Know That Guy. Um, (laughs) And it's something we won't do every week, but uh, we'll make appearance every once in a while. And the idea is we'll take a player who's made some sort of noteworthy uh, recent performance at the major league level, or maybe even even in the higher minors, and go back and fill in some of the development dots. Now, often it'll be kind of players that Chris or I have seen uh, in the minors before, like maybe early on in the in the player's career. It's guys that maybe weren't a big name prospect, but it'll uh, help us kind of go back and see what our impressions were a couple of years ago or whenever that was, and talk about 
whatever the current event is and see if there are any other threads to connect as we try to you know, think about these individual players as sort of developing. And our first subject on I Know That Guy is uh, Tyler Gilbert from the Arizona Diamondbacks. You, you, know, you know Tyler Gilbert? You, you've I, seen Tyler Gilbert? I know that guy. You know uh, that of course, guy. Of course, he was in the news because uh, he threw a no-hitter no on Saturday in his first ever Major League start against the uh, Padres, actually, at home on Saturday evening. Wow. And uh, he originally was drafted in the sixth round by the Phillies in 2015. He, he was a college product out of USC. Uh, at that point, he was 6'3", 190. He spent five years in the Philly system, worked his way up to AAA in 2019. And then uh, right before the pandemic in February of 2020, Phillies traded into the Dodgers for an outfielder, Kyle Garlick. Well, for, for Gilbert, being in a new organization, he wasn't invited to the alternate site once the uh, pandemic hit. So he worked out at home, never really pitched for the Dodgers, and they left him unprotected in the uh, AAA phase of the Rule 5 draft. So Arizona selected him uh, last December, and he made 10 starts for Reno in uh, AAA this season before he got the call to the majors on August 3rd. I had three elite relief appearances before Saturday night's no-hitter. And so, you know, as we've mentioned, I've mentioned a couple times, uh, the Phillies are one of the organizations that I cover for our uh, organization reports and, and lists. And so I had some, like I said, some familiarity with Gilbert. I realized that I saw him in right after he was signed in 2015, right after he was drafted that summer, uh, they sent him to Williamsport of the uh, what was then the short season New York Penn League. And so on July 25th, 2015, I saw mm -hmm. him uh, start against Aberdeen. And, uh, you know, looking back over my notes, I have that, you know, he's a tall, lean lefty with some deception in his delivery. Uh, delivery was mostly solid and smooth. Fastball was 90-92. He had a mid-70s curveball and a low-80s changeup. And I noted that the secondaries, you know, there was some stuff to work with there. The, the shape of the curveball was decent. There was some fade on the changeup that he used uh, against right-handers. Uh, he was around the plate a lot. He got ahead of batters. And the results that night, anyway, were, were pretty, uh, pretty good. Five innings pitched, uh, three hits allowed, no earned runs, struck out six and didn't walk anybody. You know, with his delivery and some more polish and possibly some more strength, but, you know, there could be, you know, he could stick as kind of a left-handed starter. And in that winter, in his only entry in our minor league baseball analyst book, I said this about a potential for two plus pitches. Curveball is the best at present, but lacks bite at 75 to 77 and has good shape. Fastball 89.92 has some arm side run to it and could project a tick or two upwards with more strength and repetition. Mm. Touch of deception with a torso turn in his delivery, but control is not a problem. He also flashes a change up with some fade against right-handed hitters. And I gave him a 7D rating, which is, uh, you know, it, it, I think fair for that. Yeah. He didn't have a didn't have a monster pitch. It was more of someone uh, because of some of the attributes I had. You could see him kind of developing into possibly, you know, a kind of a back end rotation piece. Especially being left handed, I, and with that arsenal of pitches, you're you kind of understand that hey, this guy's likely to get to the to the major leagues as a reliever, even if in an up-down situation. Yeah. Uh, so at worst, he's probably a 5B at this point. Best, he's a 7D, and I think that makes a lot of sense. A 5B is a guy that you would not, you know, ever really put on your your fantasy roster. Uh, you would not right. be looking for that unless you're in a really, really deep uh, league. But, right. you know, a guy to get to the major leagues. I mean, we can't even fill up a whole major league ballpark with as many major leaguers as there always been. So, like a pretty significant guy. I mean, we see a lot of guys that have no chance. This guy had a chance, and he cashed yeah. it on. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So he, he then went to low A the next year in Lakewood at that point and got 23 starts, but really – 
didn't do a whole lot. Uh, strikeout rate went down. Then when he moved to high, he got one start when he moved to high at, at 2017, and then the Phillies converted him to relief. What was interesting was is when the Diamondbacks claimed him this past December, uh, they immediately refashioned him as a starter. So he had, like I said, had 10 wow. starts in this re- Reno rotation until they called him up in early August. I thought it would be interesting to go back and, and watch the uh, the no hitter start to see to see what he looks like now. Here's a guy that six years ago, you know, right about exactly six years ago, I would have seen at a very early point of his career, and here he did something, you know, something fantastic, something amazing. And to me, the mechanics look a little different. He was more kind of direct to the plate, as had a shorter arm action than what I remembered. Mechanics kind of, you know, weren't as repeatable as like release point wavered a couple times. While he had put some strength on, and he's now listed about 220, it hasn't really made his fastball better, like I said, like, or like I thought might happen. He was still kind of 89-90 on Saturday night and used, you know, used a four-seamer up in the zone and kind of a sinker down, uh, moved, moved, the pitch, moved the pitches kind of on the up-and-down plane. And then, and then his main other hard pitch was a, was a cutter at about 80 486, which is obviously something uh, he's developed sometime in the past six years. And he moved that kind of uh, more horizontally in and out, had some, a little bite to it, but wasn't, like I said, like an outstanding monster pitch or anything. But mainly used those pitches, Uh, used the curveball a little bit to sort of change the look, but it was, you know, 75, 77. He, He wasn't necessarily commanding it well or dropping it in for strikes or getting ahead with it or getting swings and misses with it. It was more of a change of pace pitch and really didn't use, I think he threw one change up according to the stack cast, but the cutter, you know, the cutter is what he used, especially inside the righties to keep them off the barrel or whatever. He missed his spots uh, a good bit. There was several pitches that really bled over the middle of the plate that Padres, uh, you know, who are going through a downswing or has, hasn't been playing as well, definitely missed. Um, there were some hard hit balls that they really line drives and ended up right in the gloves of the fielders. And in the eighth inning, you know, both Austin Nola and Will Myers really got a hold of pitches and took them uh, two separate ones, you know, to the warning track. You know, it was a great, great feat, kind of an awesome story, that whole, you know, no hitter in your first MLB start. But in what in the context of kind of watching him throw six years ago, it's not necessarily the progressions I would have expected, you know, which would have been, like you said, Chris, a more traditional fastball curveball changeup kind of repertoire. Yes, not a guy for fantasy, but uh, he is a guy that has a chance of filling into that role four. And we've talked about role four before on here, which is a a reliever in the big leagues, you know, yeah. could even be a role three guy, which is, you know, up down reliever, up down uh, starter. But, you know, there's there's a role for him. Yeah, it's a fun. It was kind of a fun story. And, and like I said, just a uh, it was great to see him succeed in that in that one outing for sure. It's interesting for me, like I said, in the interim to go back and, uh, you know, dig up what I had uh, what I had written and, and what I had seen. Uh, from Gilbert before. So we'll do that again uh, at some point. So for our live look segment, I know this is uh, something I'm excited about because I know you have been excited about this uh, for the past couple weeks, Chris, is your Florida trip from last week. Uh, I know you got uh, to see a good number of players there, and we'll get to those in a bit. But first off, how was the trip in general? Oh, man. Uh, where to begin? Without using cuss words, because uh, this is a G-rated <laughs> show here, and that we don't want we don't we don't want the censors at uh, at Gannett, whether they know us or not, right. uh, to come after us for this. Uh, so I'm going to avoid the cuss words uh, for the audience's sake, and just say that uh, this was the most stressful baseball trip I've ever taken in my life. So I had this plan. The plan was Thursday land, fly in. Go see the Yankees low A affiliate Tampa and the Phillies low A affiliate, uh, which is Clearwater. And then for Friday, go see a complex game in either, well, originally it was Dundon, but then complex 
fall in Dundon because there's an outbreak in Clearwater, which if you know geography in Florida, Clearwater and Dundon are right near each other. And we'll, we'll get to the Phillies Clearwater uh, COVID outbreak in a second and how that affected the trip, because that affected the trip, even though I wasn't going to go see them. So my plan was to see Dundon. I ended up in Sarasota, uh, which also included game change time from the time I left to the time I got to Sarasota. Then I thought about, because I had some extra time going up to Bradenton, Bradenton had a uh, Pitts, interesting Pittsburgh Pirate prospect going. I was told, okay, their complex might be closed as well. I stayed in Sarasota after eating lunch, you know, headed down to the Ed Smith Stadium for a three-inning game because rain came in and wiped out the rest of the slate for that day. And I didn't even mention that on Thursday, I also came, I got to Tampa and the doubleheader was rained out. So I didn't even get that doubleheader. So Friday after Sarasota, I'm headed up to Tampa and I get to the stadium and there's a rain delay there as well. The good thing is they left the tarp on the whole time. The previous night, they took the tarp off hoping to play. And then Florida lightning is like the worst. And all of a sudden it's lightning and thundering and the field is getting soaked. And like there was no game to be played on Thursday. Friday they were lucky to get it in, thankfully. And I got a double header. And then on Saturday, schedules changing, all of that kind of stuff. I figured I'll head over to Tampa and then notice that the best prospect there, Alexander Vargas, was designated hitter. And I wanted to see the whole thing. He was really the only guy I was going for uh, and hoping that maybe a Dundon complex player or a uh, Yankees complex player kind of, you know, revealed themselves. Yeah. But I decided not to do that game because it was already 90 something degrees and I was going to do a day game because the game had been switched to the daytime there. I mean, it was so much scheduling things that just really messed up. But I was glad that I ended up seeing that Yankees game again because I got to see more looks at several Yankee prospects, including Jason Dominguez, who we've all heard and talked about, and oh, yeah. also Trey Sweeney. So, yeah. uh, and those were the guys that stood out. I don't know if I make the trip to Florida again for for, for baseball, <laughs> especially during tropical season. I think um, if I go to Florida, it's going to be early on in the year just because I'm going to end up taking probably a loss on this trip. And uh, if I do make my money back, it won't be until I write up some Yankee prospects for the minor league baseball analysts. So just didn't work out, but great beer, great, great food, and good times with my buddy Brian. And uh, running into Joe Drake, we also ran into Chris Dunn, another minors oh, writer yeah. as well. Uh, actually, he's at the Buccaneers game. I paid... I paid money to go see uh, Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski, yeah. and oh, wow. uh, I posted a picture on social media. And Chris Dunn goes, "Where the heck are you? Just stand up." And I stood up, and he was in the next section, about three rows up. It was ah. pretty easy. So you just never know. Uh, so the other stuff was great. The baseball was a struggle, but I did get some good good looks. Yeah. So what, like when you're especially going to the complex level or, or uh, these low A games, which because of some things we'll talk about, uh, you know, uh, feature really young prospects. What are some, you know, what are some, is there anything different you're looking for in that setting than you are uh, when you see a high A game or a double A game? As you know, Brent. Having covered low A for such a long time, uh, you always want to make sure there's a headliner there. You want to make sure that you have somebody that is going to essentially pay for the trip. So, you know, looking at the teams in that area, uh, there were three games being played. Bradenton, I covered some of their prospects in a video look. That Bradenton's the only place with video. Uh, yeah. And and so I decided Bradenton and, and I almost said Cedar Rapids, but I actually meant uh, Fort Myers, the, the Twins affiliate down there. Uh-huh. I can always go back and look at them on video. Dundon was playing St. Lucie. So that was Blue Jays versus Mets prospects. With Orvelis Martinez being called up and even uh, 
a lesser-known guy, Jalen Palmer, being called up. It didn't really make sense to go there. I didn't really have a headliner there. I could yeah. hope that Alex Ramirez from the Mets or Miguel uh, Arado uh, from the Jays would pop up for me, but like I couldn't guarantee an article. So uh, I, I went to the Rookie Complex League because I knew I would probably run into Colton Kowser, Connor Norby, Kobe Mayo, uh, Kobe Mayo, who are big Orioles prospects, lower minor Orioles prospects. Yeah. And so that's why I picked that game. And I, of course, picked the, the Yankees-Phillies game because I knew that I had Jason Dominguez. I also had Trey Sweeney. And I also had a Phillies prospect, Ethan Wilson. So I knew I had three guys that would be articles if uh, – uh, could headline articles, even though I, I don't know if Wilson headlines one, but at least he's a secondary guy. So yeah, I had a good sense that at least I'll have three guys. And what yeah. it turned out to be is I've written uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different names down of guys that I probably can insert into articles or here on the podcast, uh, including uh, two two of those Orioles guys that I only got to see two at bats from. But the good thing is, is I've got side profiles. And yeah. I can go and look at Norby and Kowser in uh, action in college and then kind of, you know, work that and, and you know, make it a combined video and live look. Uh, yeah, so like, it in. Yeah. And, and, and with both guys, I got to see them on defense. And I got to see Kowser uh, multiple occasions. And I was telling my buddy Brian, uh, who came to that game <laughs> with no concessions or anything. So that was kind of fun for him. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we got him free, and it's a beautiful stadium. And the Orioles uh, personnel were were very nice to us and made sure that we were accommodated for. It it was it was good to see him move in the outfield, Kowser, uh, see how he re- reacted to batted balls, and see if he was a center fielder long term. And I really do believe he is, even though you know some people say that he's probably going to have to run to the cor- move to a corner. I think. Even if he loses some speed, his reactions are so good and his route running is so good, which, you know, in other places we hadn't seen with some guys. Like I, I talking about Ethan Wilson, I didn't see much, many good routes run by him during the, during the series. And then Dominguez, I got three games of him, one at DH, but two in center field. I never got a route on him. So like you're at the mercy of what you're going to see at these okay. complexes. I go in with an open with open eyes. You know, an older sometimes older guys will pop up a bit for me. I, I try not to discriminate against age, uh, which you can very much do. I did that to Evan Gaddis back in the day, and I vowed never to do that again. Uh, Evan Gaddis was an older uh, low A guy uh, for the Braves, and while you know not a very noteworthy career, uh, I mean he hit the ball hard. Uh, yeah. But like he he was a major league starter and a fantasy contributor for most of his career, his, his short career. So, uh, you know, it's it's going in, not discriminating and knowing that you're going to see guys in more shapes and uh, uh, sizes than you'll see in the upper minors. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's actually move right into the players. Kind of uh, you mentioned a couple of them, you know, who kind of who stood out to you and, and what can you tell us about? about the uh, player-specific kind of observations from your several games, from your weekend? Well, I mean, the big fish was uh, Jason Dominguez, a switch hitter for the Yankees organization. I'm going to assume most everybody here knows who he is, just given that you're uh, tuning in to a fantasy prospect coverage. Uh, Dominguez is a guy who was like a unicorn prior to a few weeks ago. Actually, prior to when Brent saw him at the, at the Futures game in, in yeah. Colorado, uh, he was a guy that, you know, nobody had seen. He, what, had a few games at the at the complex prior to that and has been in single A uh, since then. Uh, and prior to that, he was working out at extended spring training, which is also at the complex. So he's been seeing pitching for a while and got a great look, especially in that first game uh, of the doubleheader where he absolutely scolded a single off of Samuel El Jagari, who's an Italian left-hander for the Phillies on a 2-0 fastball. I looked at my buddy and uh, I was like, you know, this guy's going to just kill the ball. 
and it was uh, almost 112 miles per hour off the bat over Casey Martin, uh, the high draft pick from 2020 of the Phillies. So uh, very impressive from the as a right-handed hitter uh, to get that good of a look and to get in the three-game look, I was able to get four at bats from the right-hand side, and I, Brent knows how hard that can be, right? Uh, yeah. You know, getting getting that from the switch yep. hitter uh, is is golden, and sadly, Alger Harry uh, Harry ended up uh, coming up lame and had, having to be removed from the game before I could get another. I could have had a fifth one, so that would would have been really good. He also hit a Screaming double off of Tommy McCollum, uh, 105 miles per hour off the bat. Uh, what was common with both of these pitches were they were very hittable fastballs within his swing plane. He, when it is in his happy zone, he is going to absolutely murder the ball. The one thing I came away with was he was not an easy scout. And, you know, the plan going into this was leading off with Dominguez. So Dominguez is best suited for an article this week because I really want to break down his swings. I got a lot of swings from him. Uh, I will say that there are some some concerns with the profile that our kid is youthful. A lot of this stuff is probably me nitpicking on a guy. I will tell you that I'm not giving away anything here saying that he's a 9E prospect. Uh, uh, that's what he is. There's a there's a chance of him being an all star contributor, and really and truly, I thought coming into this weekend, I'd probably keep him at a nine E because you know, hey, this kid's uh, uh, so youthful. Um, yeah. But yeah. we're gonna kind of go through what he needs to do to get to that nine uh, nine rating once he gets to the major leagues. And uh, you know, really and truly, Brent, I don't know if that is. I just don't know if I like him as a top 50 prospect. I think that we, as an industry, may have jumped the gun on him uh, a bit because of all the accolades and the yeah. video that did get to us. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. we, 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 we probably needed to you know, maybe go a little bit further. And, and thankfully, at our site, we tend to you know, discount for Caribbean signings because we just haven't seen him in a game setting and I'm kind of thankful that we do that yeah well it wouldn't have been it won't be the first time probably won't be the last but I'll be uh, I know I and a lot of uh, a lot of the subscribers out there the baseball HQ will be looking forward to the full report later this week on the site on Dominguez um, I know you saw another high profile pick from the Yankees Trey Sweeney what can you tell us about him Yes, 21-year-old Trey Sweeney, uh, six foot four, 200 pounds, was the first-round pick this year from Eastern Illinois. Uh, I tell everybody, go ahead and look up uh, Eastern Illinois alumni. You'll be uh, impressed with some of those names. Uh, there's not many of them that you'll know, but uh, some impressive guys came out of there. Sweeney's a shortstop. Uh, might not be long for that position. Did well to come in on a few balls. The arm is accurate, but there's some hump in the throw. When I talk about hump, you know, think about a camel. You want most of those throws to come to you on a straight line, not necessarily on a hump if you're the first baseman. And, you know, I'm a little worried that it's a 40 arm at a position where he might not have the best range. He has some issues with his lateral footwork. Needs to really work on getting to his left better. Uh, he kind of struggled. He actually stumbled on one ball trying to get in front of it. It didn't really take the best angle to it. He reacted well, and I, I really do think he has pretty uh, soft hands as well. You know, coming into this, I try to block out the noise. And yeah. with him, the noise was is he's not really going to stick at shortstop. So, you know, in, in this age of the shift, maybe, but it's a little dicey uh, for me. However... He was drafted because of the bat. Uh, open stance. Uh, he's upright. Hands above the letters. Very short, compact swing. Creates great launch angle, especially on middle end pitches. But what's really unique with him is that he doesn't lose plate coverage. He covers the whole plate. You know, we've been talking about a lot of guys that, that do cut off the plate, yeah. trying to get those nice launch angles uh, to the pull side. And this is a guy that will let the ball travel and take it the other way, even though he did not have success in this game. 
you could see that profile. You could see that uh, that intent was there. I thought that, you know, there's a pretty big leg lift. Uh, I thought that it might hinder him a bit uh, with his timing. Uh, and, and it did uh, sort of on, on breaking pitches. It could have been that. It could have been a little bit of a bat wrap. Uh, uh, for those who don't really understand what a bat wrap is, it's, it's when, you, when you're taking the bat back, We've talked about hitches where you're dropping your hand. A bat wrap, taking the bat and moving your wrist kind of forward with your hands and, you know, wrapping before coming through. That creates a little bit of uh, stumble in, in getting the bat moving forward. And guys like that either don't get to velocity or maybe struggle getting to the keeping their body weight back. And that, that's kind of what I saw with him. I felt like he was reading pitches well. I think he was tracking breaking pitches uh, extremely well, but he was more apt to swing and miss through those pitches than, than against the fastball. So I feel like that there's some room to clean up that swing. I'm not concerned. I'm not going to dock him points. feel like that he is a potential solid major league player, solid fantasy contributor. Curious to where if you it sounds like you're sort of skeptical about him staying at short and given that you have questions about the arm, you know, maybe third isn't, you know, his, where he ends up either. Uh, is it second? Is it kind of corner outfield? Where do you think where do you think he ends up in three, four years? He's a second baseman for me. I also think it with improved footwork, he could probably improve his arm strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a la you know, Jorge Polanco was a guy that I, I thought had a very weak arm at shortstop, played yeah. there. We've talked about uh, Austin Martin on this uh, telecast a bunch, uh, telecast on this uh, podcast a bunch. Yeah. Better footwork is something that could improve, take the hump out of the ball, per yeah. se. Maybe yeah. maybe make it stronger, maybe make the make the arm stronger, maybe, maybe some weight training or something like that, but... Yeah. Overall, I, I, I'm seeing mostly a second baseman shift. The way the shift works these days, he could possibly play any of those three positions, shortstop, third base, or second uh, yeah. in the yeah. right situation. Yeah. On the uh, pitcher side in Tampa, I know you got a good look at the 2020 fourth-round pick, Beck Way, a right-hander from the Yankees. Um, what did your eyes tell you about Way? Yeah, Way Way was a very interesting guy. Long limbs. Uh, he's six four, two hundred pounds. Looked like he had like the the reach of a six foot six, six foot seven guy. A uh, lot of legs as well. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit. It, well, actually, let's talk about it now. Long limb, three quarter delivery with the extreme cross body de- um, um, arm action. So like the arms coming across the body and. It, Essentially, you know, we call it crossfire, a crossfire delivery, kind of an extreme crossfire delivery with maximum extension. And, you know, a lot of taller guys don't end up cutting themselves off. This guy extended very well. Uh, And I would even say that his three quarters arm angles, you know, maybe a bit lower three quarters as well. Big pitch, the sinker, uh, 94 to 96, touching 97. Uh, it was a, I said sinker, probably two seam. I mean, it's the same thing, uh, but it's not like the true sinker where it's it's dropping in the zone. It has natural arm side run. It's a higher spin two seamer, which, uh, you know, I was expecting maybe a four seamer out of him. That's what I had heard he threw in college. Uh, and I was a little kind of surprised by that. He only got one swing and miss on the pitch. Uh, uh, but stayed below the plane, uh, the swing planes of the hitters, the trajectory, uh, and got a lot of ground balls. And, and that was his his bread and butter. Uh, his best pitch on the evening, evening was a sweeping slider. Uh, it was a true sweeping pitch. Uh, eight swings and misses. Threw 45 sliders. So he threw a bunch of sliders, just as many wow. as he threw fastballs. It, it dominated. Uh, it had a very dominant movement profile. And against these batters, it might not play necessarily at the higher levels. I like the higher velocity slider, kind of mix it between 80 and 87 
So he was all across the that band. Kind of worked off of it. The, but the lower velocity ones were not the ones that got the swings and misses. It was the higher velocity pitches. So uh, I, I would imagine as he matures, he, he pretty much goes to that pitch as his primary tool as a swing and miss offering at the, you know, maybe, you know, with some more strength, maybe 87, 89 velocity band. And then there was a third pitch. It was very firm changeup, 88 to 90. Threw it about eight or nine times. Uh, had arm side action, but it had little fading action and no drop. Uh, and coming into the draft, his, his changeup was the notable pitch. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that he, I mean, I saw it on the delivery and maybe he didn't have the as much velocity separation as you're looking for. But like, I believe that there's a changeup in there. He's an average athlete. He's somebody who you could see growing into a three-pitch pitcher. I think that there is a he's a high floor guy. I think that the reliever uh, with the fastball slider mix is something that's going to keep the profile relevant in the major leagues. Roll floor more than likely. But there is a chance of getting to a roll five starter. So he's kind of an interesting guy in that sense. Uh, would like to see more swings and misses. Wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees, you know, get more of a four-seamer out of him than the two-seamer, maybe work yeah. between the two. Uh, I, I, I think that this guy's in the right organization for this to really excel as a starting pitcher. This is a three-pitch mix if everything works out. Yeah, I was going to say, before you mentioned that, that uh, you know, being being here uh, and having Trenton double A for so many years with the Yankees, uh, now up at Somerset, but visiting Trenton for a number of years, you know, almost every year you would go there, and there would be uh, a hard throwing reliever tweener guy that you had never heard of that uh, you know that was making great strides, and it's it sounds something like the profile here that you're given. Of, uh, of way where there's a couple good ingredients to start with and with a couple tweaks here or there definitely becomes a viable, you know, viable guy to get some major league time. They took him out of uh, junior college, Northwest Florida State Junior College. And I understand why a guy signs money, all of that good stuff. But had he gone to a D1 program after working there with what the strides that he's made, this is a first, second round pick, uh, hmm. and the Yankees got him in the fourth round. So this this is a phenomenal sign for them, uh, yeah. especially in that short draft. A fourth round pick that could have easily been a first round pick the next year had he gone to a D1 program instead of to the Yankees. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, good, good report there on right-hander from the Yankees' Beck way. And I know you were interested also in a Phillies pitcher whose outing kind of impressed you. 2021 right-handed uh, pitcher Andrew Baker, who they selected in the 11th round. Uh, what can you tell us about Baker? The second game of the doubleheader was was a game where, A, Sweeney didn't play. Sweeney, I only got two looks at Sweeney. I got three looks at Dominguez. The starting pitchers for both teams was weren't very – Interesting on paper. Tyrone Uly was uh, was somebody who was throwing 100 miles per hour, so he got kind of some interest. But you know, it was a reliever profile only, and it was really you know going everywhere. When Baker came into the game, I almost kind of mailed it in. I went down to the bullpen just to walk around and see who the next guy was because hey, I kind of was tired and was ready to go, and you know, I wasn't going to learn anything else from any of these guys tonight. And I went down there and saw this big, tall dude, Andrew Baker, listed 6'3", 190. Uh, actually looked taller than that to me. Uh, long limb, just like uh, uh, Beck Way, but was a much different, longer arm, arm-circled arm guy. Uh, there's some effort in the delivery, definitely a reliever delivery. But there was something about him from his warm-ups that just, you know, screamed to me, hey, this is a major league arm. Phillies took him in the 11th round out of Chippewa uh, Junior College, which is a very well-known baseball school. This guy was a converted shortstop and is apparently recent to the to the mound. He was sitting 96, 98, touching 99 with a high spin fastball, which 
thankfully in the low A Southeast, we're able to get baseball savant stuff, uh, baseball savant information. I could tell this before I even saw the baseball savant information. This is a 2,500, 2,600 spin rate uh, from this right-hander up in the zone, high riding, fat misser. There is a tweet that I posted, a video of him. Uh, you'll see the fastball. You'll see what I saw. This guy had an electric fastball. The slider uh, was fringe average. It was 83, 84. It uh, kind of looked like a hard slurve more than a, a slider. Actually, baseball savant had it as a slider and a curveball at the same velocity band. Uh, to me, it was a slurve, so I could see how that was getting mixed up. You know, no changeup, but I heard that in college he did did have a changeup uh, this year. Could possibly be a guy that may start, but I I just don't see that. I see a high leverage reliever, especially if he can manage that secondary pitch. Uh, while the command isn't there on that fastball. It's a six pitch uh, and could be a seven pitch if he can command it better. This is a profile of a guy that may even be a one pitch pitcher in the major leagues, but like has a chance at a high ceiling as a reliever. And while he's not a guy, we're not looking for relievers in the low A level, of course, but this is definitely a guy to keep your eye on, especially since. Uh, it's the four-seam fastball that is so dominant at a high velocity with deception because it's uh, he's kind of a straight-arm thrower uh, or, or a line thrower. Most guys are crossfire these days. Uh, right. And uh, it, he's a high three-quarters uh, pitcher, and, you know, the slot's a, a little different. No, it's interesting. I mean, because, yes, I know for me anyway, at the low-A level, I mean, guys like this with, you know, one – monster pitch become immediately interesting uh, because that's the starting point and even uh, they can carry that through their development up into uh, into some major league success. And I know, Brent, um, one, of, one of the great things that it used to be velocity that got us churning for, for yeah. a dude, but what it is now is really the fastball movement because everybody, like I said, uh, uh, Tyrone Uli was throwing 100 prior to this guy coming in. The Yankees started that day. And, like, yeah. I don't think anybody in this game was below 92, 93. Uh, yeah. But it was the fastball profile that really screamed for Andrew Baker. And it's something that I'm seeing more and more where the velocity doesn't really matter. I've had three guys this year hit 100. Four guys hit 100 now. You know, in prior seasons, I, I went – five seasons one time with only having one guy hit 100. So like, yeah. it's, it's a different, different ball game with these uh, high velocity relievers now. And with him, it's all about fastball profile for me. Before we wrap up, is there anybody, anybody else you want to mention from your, even just briefly from your trip last weekend? Ryder Green was an interesting guy with the Yankees as well. Power, lots of power. The one time I'm not videotaping his at-bat, he hits this titanic ball almost the 475 feet to right center field as a right-handed batter. He's actually late on the pitch uh, and huh. just absolutely tattooed it. Of course, I didn't have batting practice on any of these guys because of the rain and the storms and all that good stuff. But this is a guy that I'm sure lights it up in batting practice. There's some swing length issues. Uh, I, I thought his pitch recognition was better than what had been reported to me in, by contacts prior uh, to my look. But one thing that this this guy's a big, hulking, hulking dude. And he's a quick, he's a fast runner. I, I got a plus uh, run time to, from home to first on him and was rather impressed. Uh, I had heard that he was plus 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 power, plus speed. But when I saw him in person, I highly doubted it. I, you know, he was very top-heavy guy. Kind of built a bit like Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, so just a very different profile than what we're used to seeing out of the speed guy. You know, the, that combination was, was a unique combination. I also, you know, talked about Yuli. I saw a few interesting Phillies uh, prospects, a uh, few interesting Phillies uh, hitters and pitchers too but you know 
somebody who kind of impressed me in the Orioles camp was Kobe Mayo. Uh, I just liked his size and stuff and thought that, you know, the, the draw on him when he got drafted was the, the, the length of his swing and his long levers as a tall guy um, would accumulate strikeouts. And I didn't really see much swing and miss in his, his profile. It's there, don't get me wrong but not to the levels that were kind of being reported by people. 40 to 50% strikeout rate. I think it's a more manageable strikeout, high strikeout rate, more manageable though. And if you can get to that power, it's 70 grade power, easy. Cool. Yeah, well, it's a great, uh, certainly even with the challenges of the scheduling and the weather and uh, all that, it was uh, good, good to hear your uh, feedback and, and reports on uh, Dominguez and Sweeney and Way, Baker, Mayo, and uh, the others you touched on. So thanks for bringing that to us. And uh, we hope if you get down there again sometime in the future that things are a little smoother on the logistical end, for sure. Of, of course. I think uh, next time I do complex ball, it's going to be in Arizona. Ah, well, there you go. That, uh, and that would... <laughs> That would keep the uh, that would certainly take the weather most likely the weather problem out of the equation. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, there is monsoon season. I, I lived there 17 years. I'm fully aware of that. But uh, you can get in games a lot easier in Arizona than Florida. Yeah. Well, uh, we're heading to the uh, kind of upcoming week. Uh, what's on tap for you this week as far as uh, what you're up to? I wrote here to laugh hysterically, but I'm not going to laugh hysterically. I'm too tired. Uh, I think that I am headed out to Rome this week. High A Braves. I'm not going to see anybody, I don't think, with the Braves. But uh, I have my fingers crossed for a call-up uh, that has been sort of rumored. I can't get it confirmed. Maybe by the time that this, is, uh, this has been posted that it's been confirmed. But I'm really trying and hoping that Nick York gets called up from Salem oh, to yeah. Greenville. Uh, yeah. He's been absolutely destroying the ball. Their second baseman at high A just got called up to, to Portland, their double-A squad. So oh. uh, my thinking is, is, is there's room for York. He looks like he's ready. Uh, there's a few other guys on that Salem club. Uh, names are escaping me right now. But uh, hopefully I get to see one, if not three guys from that squad uh, this week. And if not, I won't be at the ballpark because I have already seen the rest of the Greenville and don't need to see him again, if that makes sense. So Brent, what's on your horizon this week? So I am going to uh, try to get to see, go up to Reading and get to see Hans Kraus, the pitcher from originally from the Texas organization that came to the Phillies in the, Spencer Howard deal, and I'm hoping to catch a start of his. Uh, and if I do that, I'll also get another look at their shortstop prospect, Grayson Stott, who I uh, have seen a couple times, but uh, need to get need to get enough info together for kind of a full report here. Um, but other than that, it's very similar to to what you're talking about. Uh, my other options are teams that I've seen. Uh, a good bit of so far and kind of have uh, prospected out <laughs> with the current rosters. It is the time of year though. I definitely, you know, when, when there is some player movement happening, you know, there's a, whatever, there's five weeks so or so left in the minor league season. So there will be some movement as guys get, you know, graduated from or get elevated to the next level and holes getting filled. So I'm, I got my fingers crossed for that happening too in the uh, in the organizations that are close by me here. I know one of the things we're running into, uh, and I know others are running into this too, is these schedules are very top heavy and seeing the same teams over and over and over again. And yeah. uh, I, I'm about to get into a part of the schedule which is going to be beautiful for me. I'm going to get to see guys I haven't seen before. Uh, so, like, I'm looking forward to the next three weeks. It's just getting past this week. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, with September coming up, minor league ball goes till mid-September this time, which yeah. is something that we've never had to really – and AAA goes further than that. AAA follows the major league schedule. So there's a very good chance that we'll get guys 
with that late last three week call up uh, that tends to happen. And, and so we'll have a lot of guys to cover. And like, I know I'll have White Sox prospects for the first time at both IA and Double and, uh, A, which isn't really that great. Uh, but I'll have Rangers guys too. And I'll have uh, the Braves Double A team. And I'll have another look at the Cubs Double A team with. The, including a lot of guys who have just been traded there. So yeah, like this, yeah. is, this is going to be a great finish to the season for me and probably a great finish for you as well. But like right now, the dog days of August are just yeah. killing our coverage to the point I had to go to Florida and uh, get rained out to, to <laughs> find coverage. So, yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to whatever we can get out of this week, knowing that better times are, are upon us in the coming weeks. Yeah, I have the same thing. There's a couple a couple clubs coming through the area that I have not seen yet a couple weeks down the road, so looking forward to that. You'll get Greensboro, right? Henry Davis just got called up by the Pirates. Uh, their number one pick, so you'll you'll be getting some premium coverage there that I was yes. hoping for. Yeah, there will be. Uh, Greensboro is one of the clubs that I think is coming through Jersey Shore. Maybe first week of September. So anyway, that's one that I definitely am uh, looking forward to. But as we uh, wrap up here, uh, I had a great episode, I think. Uh, again, thanks for, as always, thanks for listening to this episode of The Eyes Have It. You can contact us via email at theeyeshaveit at baseballhq.com or reach out to either or both of us on Twitter. Chris is at C underscore blessing, and you can find me at rentHQ. Thanks for subscribing and please leave us a good rating and review so that others can help find us, uh, whatever your preferred uh, podcast platform is. Chris, until next week, uh, here's to good weather, no rainouts, and uh, good scheduling. (laughs) I have a tropical storm headed my direction, so uh, uh, that's better thinking. (laughs) That's good thoughts there, but yeah, I agree. May we not be rained out this week. Everybody have a great week and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you all again next week.